0: Welcome back to the Rural Roundup. Happy New Year and a Happy Burns Night from all of us at the Farm Advisory Service. This show is produced in association with the Scottish Government. I'm Kerry Hammond and on today's episode, we will join Farm Advisors Tiffany, George and Robert to find out more about what's been going on in the agricultural sector over the festive period. I'm going to bring you an update on some new Farm Advisory Service resources, events and some other events happening in industry that you may want to make a note of in your diaries. And we're joined by Siobhan MacDonald, host of our sister podcast, Crofting Matters, to take us on a quick whistle-stop tour of the Crofting Matters series and to tell us what we can expect on season
1: two. How are you this week, George?
2: I'm fine, Tiffany. Um, it's uh, we're into the new year. Um, it's just getting back to normal after the the Christmas and New Year uh, break. Um, Robert, how are you finding things?
3: Hey, all good. Back to back to normal now. Um, back to plenty of work on, plenty happening, and it's quite nice with a great break. But it's quite nice to have a routine in life again as well. So maybe a more normal diet too yeah it's
1: definitely nice getting back into routine and the desk's already filling up with work needing done I got a big pile of NVZs appearing on my desk earlier this week so there's definitely plenty to keep me busy and so just thinking about NVZs uh, slurry regulations have now changed uh, from the 1st of January so make sure you're aware of the rules go and read the rules to make sure you're clear on what they are So slurry must not be applied using a raised splash plate or a rain gun from the 1st of January this year and for those with less than 100 milking cows or less than 200 beef cattle livestock units transitional rules are in place meaning these farms will be able to use an inverted splash plate until the 1st of January 2027. If you're a contractor and you're applying slurry you need to be using precision equipment And also precision equipment needs to be used if a farm has got more than 100 milking cows or more than 200 beef cattle livestock units. And precision equipment's also needing used if you have a pig unit that has got more than 800 fattening pigs or 800 sows. So from the 1st of January 2023, make sure you're aware of these changes. From the 1st of January, 2027, all slurry application must be applied using the precision equipment. So it's definitely what's coming. So even if you are a small farm and um, with under 100 milking cows, you should still start thinking about these changes.
3: It's quite interesting, Tiffany, when you see actually the, the advantage. So most people in the southwest now are using dribble bars anyway. So that they've, we've moved across to that and seen a big advantage from it from a fertilizer point of view and also from a return to grazing point of view as well so it's really the regulations for storage are difficult for some you know that there's a requirement for investment there but for the the actual application most people are on that journey if they're not there already they're on the journey to that anyway Um, so it's for me i think it's it's important to talk about it and important certainly we're we're discussing with a lot of people Daily at the moment, but for most, it's a reasonably positive story anyway.
2: Yeah, for people in, a, in NVZs, um, a lot of these rules in terms of terms, uh, timing, t- uh, having storage time and such like, they've been in place for a number of years. Um, I can see certain areas where, where yeah, having enough storage is going to become a problem because it's not cheap to put in slurry storage. Um, and also, I think the, the rules are being uh, a bit more. Um, restrictive regarding stores that were constructed pre-1991. Um, so again, in a lot of cases, there could be a, you know, further investment required.
1: I think the slurry stores that were built before 1991, they've got to be fully compliant by 2026, um, 1st of January 2026. So there is a little bit of time for that.
3: We've actually at the moment also got our dairy producers are all having a fairly good time of it, you know, the milk price has been pretty strong for the year and, and this tax year looks to be pretty good for a lot of them, maybe too good for a lot of them, so there are quite a few slurry stores being built with the you know, non-grant funded but funded by not paying tax if you like, so um, there are, there's quite a significant investment in quite a few farms to get up and it's interesting to see as well that the, the regulations are 22 weeks but actually there's a drive to get maybe up to 30 weeks on on a lot of these farms just to you know we're fully covered with loads of storage and it's a real asset for a lot of these businesses now where fertilizer price has gone where it comes back to who knows but we know if we can store more stuff we can store more of our own, own slurry make better use of it in the spring but also import into our own slurry system as well so get bring some digestate in and stuff as well so i think it's it's nice to see actually those progressive businesses kicking on and important as well for the the you know people who are struggling or you know beef businesses wondering about investment is let's talk about it let's sit down and see what the options are because there's always another way of doing something reducing dirty water a, you know increasing your bedded area reducing the number of cattle on slurry we don't necessarily need to increase the storage we need to make to make sure we've got 22 weeks for. The animals that are on a slurry system so uh, for many there's there's other options out there too
2: yeah i think that's important tim um, that when people are looking at investments that they they future proof it. any design um you can never have enough storage the same when people build a shed more often than not the thing that they turn around and say is i just wish i'd built it bigger um sorry storage, storage is the same uh don't necessarily build it just to the absolute minimum um there are opportunities there. There's more digestates and that becoming available. These are an opportunity to, you know, save money in fertilizer. Um, spreading technology, it's it's improving. As Robert rightly points out, people are seeing the benefits firsthand Um, using dribble bars or other other technologies, it, it just it saves the Saves saves nutrients going up in the air. Really, it's going into the ground. Um, it's getting the growing crop much quicker, and um, it it's a win win all round. Really.
3: There's also, you know, just thinking when we're talking there, the industry's changed. So there's less suckler cows out there. There's less dairies out there. You know, there are the the structure of Scottish agriculture has changed, and most people have a neighbour somewhere or somebody a not far away who's changed their system. So you can actually make use of someone else's storage as well. You know, you can have that conversation with a neighbour or somebody who's not needing all the storage they've got or any of the storage they've got and make use of it as well. If that's if funding the new system for you isn't an option at the moment, the more you talk about it the more you'll come to solutions. And I know up here that, that certainly in the seventies
2: and in eighties the there would have been a, a drive to move cattle on to to slats and uh, yeah these obviously fall out with that uh, 1991 window so yeah there could be work needs done there um and then yeah the beef beef it's a a certain a, a conversation and a, the the investment that's required there you, you need to think can you afford to do it and, and are there alternatives
1: I think it's worth considering once you do have your slurry storage is remembering what your NVZ close periods are for spreading organic manure, particularly the ones with high available nitrogen content. Make sure you know what NVZ area you're in and what your NVZ rules are. If you're out with the NVZ areas, then you do have a little bit more flexibility, but make sure you know what rules are relevant to yourself.
3: So for us, we are out with the NVZ area, and I think it's important we all know that so that what what is the regulations are to have 22 weeks storage it's not to say we need to store it for 22 weeks so if we've got if we're in a position where you've got lovely early spring weather end of january um, things have come good good ground conditions and we can grow some grass for lamb and sheep maybe or for whatever that's still okay so as long as you comply with uh, all the existing regulations it's fine so it, Really, it's just to have the capacity to store for 22 weeks if required. For most people, they will store for right through that period and, and store right into uh, maybe early March. But there is still the option if you can use slurry as a resource for growing winter grass or, or early spring grass. It's, it's still there out with the NZ.
1: If you've got a pig enterprise instead of say cattle on slurry, you've got to remember it's a 26-week minimum storage requirement for the pigs. We've also recently had an announcement about the Scottish Government agricultural budget and the interesting bits which you should be taking paying attention to is that most budgets are remaining static the AICS budget is remaining unchanged and there's also an increase um, in the agricultural reform program money to invest in preparations in post-Brexit and post-Brexit cap world in 2025 so this is just to help uh, ensure that the green agenda is being delivered
2: yeah thanks stephanie i think it's um yeah it's important to highlight that um funding's been maintained it's going to provide you know some comfort for farmers that they, you know at least they can start doing some budgeting um the main uh sources of a uh, subsidy basic payment greening uh, etc yeah, they're going to stay at the same level. Uh, it, it just provides a bit of peace of mind. Um, there's enough challenges out there at the moment, and at least they can rely on something come the end of the year.
3: And that, you know, that subsidy check, as you say, George, it's a real, it's a comfort blanket. It's not an incredible volume of money. Now, you know, it's not in some businesses. You know, the, a, I mean, it's a, it's a generous amount of money to to most businesses. But the, the knowledge that is coming just puts a bit of a floor in the market, just keeps us, it keeps a lid on things. And and actually, if you look at the rest of the industry, most things are heading in a reasonably positive direction. You know, costs are beginning to reduce, uh, Our input costs are reducing, and the cost of what we're selling, I think, now across the board is, is pretty strong. There's question marks for, you know, dairying is going to change probably uh, in the next few months but from a very high level you know a a slight decline there is i think going to be something we can we can wear but it's nice to know when we're budgeting when we're looking forward into the new year that actually there is something there just that keeps us keeps everything calm keeps everything right and there's a i think 2023 is a year that we could actually go and make some money
2: yeah just removing that uncertainty just it just makes a difference um and it's a it, it is a positive people know where they stand
1: yeah we definitely do need some stability and knowing what's happening um on not knowing what's happening and um, a lot of farmers will be looking to start lambing some might have even started lambing already and there is now a naval iodine supply warning so there's a risk of reduced availability or the potentially high cost of the strong iodine which people use for naval dressing so it's definitely worth um thinking about going and stocking up your supplies so the main production is in Chile and production has ceased which is what is causing the prices to quadruple and could influence um the availability
3: it's not just iodine though is it you know the, the iodine thing if it's four times the price it's not going to make or break anyone you know it, it's a very small input to a business it's a significant cost when you go and buy it um when you go and buy a a five liter drum or whatever it is you know it it is a significant cost. But for the I think it's just a an alarm bell really that Lamin and Cavan is coming for most. You know, Spring Cavan is around the corner. All of the problems we had last year and or in the last ten years, all the problems we've had, we're gonna have problems again. We're gonna need inputs, we're gonna need stuff. So why wait? And I'm I'm kinda talking to myself here. Because I usually do this is have a panic when the first car arrives or the first something's early or I don't have something. Now is the perfect time to go and look at what you've got, assess here the supplies you've got. Cause you might actually have a drum iodine from last year which you can use or sell or whatever. Um, but you know you've got a window just now to go and get in the cupboard everything you're going to need because you are going to need it. So it's it's not going to be okay or any any different to what it's been in the past you're going to need bits and pieces uh, and like iodine i would i would worry if we were highlighting iodine as a significant cost because when you look at how many mills you're putting on a navel if it's four times the price it's still peanuts it's still so much cheaper than dealing with an infection at a later date
2: yeah robert i would i would say yeah it's 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 part of your lambing toolbox your carving toolbox um it serves a very important purpose. Um, but now's the time to to have a look in that same toolbox. What do you need? Stock up. Whether it's iodine, whether it's anything else, you're ready to go. Um, Yeah, as Tiffany says, some people will be started already. Um, And it's also a chance just to you'll know what problems you've got are specific to your farm as well. Um, It comes back to good biosecurity. So Perhaps you need to look at your own internal biosecurity in the lambing shed, calving shed, um, and just enhance that.
3: The other thing that's really, you know we're looking at feed prices, we're looking at a uh, multiple pregnancies and, and there's a lot of people talking about the price, the cost of feeding. The cost of feeding this year is going to be less than the cost of not feeding. So if you've got a lambing shed and you've got poor quality colostrum, not a lot of it ill-thriven lambs, lean ewes. You know we've got a major problem. So the main thing I think is make sure these these ewes are getting the diet they really need. Cows too is get the get the the pre-calving, pre-lamming diet correct, and then the rest of it should follow fairly well. But cutting costs at that stage, I think you need to have if you're looking to do it differently to what you've done in the past, change change the type of feed, change the volume of feed. That needs to be done with a lot of thought and probably a bit of company doing it you know have that conversation with your vet your feed rep your consultant whoever it is just to make sure you're you know you're going to hit the ground running or these lambs are going to hit the ground running in the spring because the sooner they're up soaked, and out the shed the less important all of this other stuff is
2: yeah, col- colostrum's always the message having plenty of colostrum. Um and there's no doubt that that, that is the it's kinda like a secret ingredient. It just builds up those antibodies really quickly. Um and gets gets alarm, gets a calf going. Um and, and, and yeah, I, I agree with what you say. The temptation is always there to cut costs and that but sometimes you can be, you know, penny wise, pound foolish, uh, and um there's, there's, there are corners that can be cut but when it comes to breeding livestock you know you don't do it there
1: there's definitely lots for people to think about and i think if people do find that they can't get hold of iodine there are alternatives out there but make sure you have a look at the safety data sheet make sure it is suitable for spraying on um, navels of neonatal animals and make sure it's suitable for what you're trying to use it for because you don't want something going wrong
3: and speak to your vet, you know, have have that positive conversation with your vet rather than phoning up to say, I've tried this and it's, for one reason or another, a problem. So have that conversation and do it with them rather than do it and then tell them you've done it.
1: So when is it that you start lambing, Robert?
3: So we are, we'll start calving about the 20th of March and then we start lambing on the 1st of April. So... For a wee while yet, although it is coming, you know you see use beginning to change. Certainly, heifers are bringing the bag up and things, so you can see the. Usually, you get New Year out of the way, and then it's you know you know the work's coming. So it's good, it's exciting, and it's always a nice time of year as long yeah. as we. Is it, are, had... are there plenty of big full bellies? Uh yeah, they they look at anyway. We've not scanned yet, so there's a lot of big scans locally anyway. So I would expect mm-hmm. we'll have a good stuff, a reasonable job. Um, and then we just have to make a job of them for the next wee while and hope and pray that it all goes to plan. Mm-hmm.
1: What are you busy with over the next week, George?
2: Um, the next wee while, um, I suppose it's tidying kind up of loose ends. Um, we've still got a few carbon audits um, coming through. Uh, it's really getting stuff out of the way because, like, if, like our farmer clients, our busy spell starts in a... A good month or so um so it's, it's really starting to clear the decks for that and, and be ready
1: yeah it's definitely worth being prepared now because it does just get busier and busier over the next couple of months have a good week and we'll see you again next time
2: Catch you later. Yep, see you tiffany
0: The Farm Advisory Service publishes lots of new content every week to help you to make better decisions, stay up to date with the latest information from experts and to expand your farming networks. On January the 26th at 12.30, join FAS for a new webinar taking a closer look at the development of the UK Carbon Code of Conduct as a legitimate framework to facilitate the trading of carbon offsets. With Woodland and Peatland Carbon Codes well advanced, now is the perfect time to find out more from Doug Wonstall, founder of Regeneration Earth, who'll talk about his work, and Will Foulkes, founder and CEO of Stability, who'll explain about the importance of creating trust and transparency in carbon offsets. Anna Sellers and Brady Stevens from the Food and Footprint team at SAC Consulting will feedback on their University Innovation Fund project work surrounding the opportunities and risks for farmers to consider if engaging in carbon markets. We have two training events on the 31st of January. The first is being held online and is focused on sheep dipping on UIST. Join us online from 7 till 9pm to find out more about taking part in the safe use of sheep dip courses and how to get your sheep dip certificate with low maintenance in US this summer. The online event will include information such as what the certificate means, what the online course includes, how you can prepare for exams and assessments and a list of the PPE equipment you might need to take the assessment. The second training event on January the 31st is an in-person event in Murrayshire. It's also being held from 7 till 9pm and you'll find it at Longmore Community Hall in Keith. This event is looking at forage crops. If you're struggling with forage shortages and high feed prices, come along to this meeting to hear from some specialist sheep and forage crop experts to discuss the establishment and utilisation of forage crops. Please bring along one of your neeps or fodderbeet with shaws intact for one of our practical exercises. The latest episode of Faz TV, Season 2 Episode 21 finds the team in Peebleshire at the Netherard Home Farm to take a look at how integrating woodland on farm can be a valuable asset in supporting livestock production, improving biodiversity, and providing a long-term timber crop. The January edition of Milk Manager News is now live on the FAS website, fas.scot. Along with the regular articles on market updates and the straits update, this month we also have feature articles on key performance indicators for measuring fertility, managing the thermoduric count in milk, Mineral relationship to foot health and how does the cold weather affect milking cows and planning for young stock grazing this spring You can also access this January's edition of Agri Business News on faz.scot and you can choose whether you'd like to download and read the text version or you can take a listen to the abridged audio version January's edition features articles on cereals beef milk a policy brief, a look at global trends and a carbon roundup. We have a really interesting tour planned for the Women in Agriculture Group in Ayrshire, happening on February the 8th from 1pm to 5pm. The group will get the opportunity to take a tour of the William Grant and Sons Girvan Distillery and have a look at their anaerobic digestion plant. The afternoon will include a talk on the background of William Grant and Sons, A broad discussion about the whiskey and gin supply chain, a tour of the Hendrix Gin Distillery, a tour of the anaerobic digestion plant, and we'll finish up with a wider discussion about the renewable energy supply chain. This meeting packs loads of value into one afternoon, so unfortunately we've had to limit spaces to 20 attendees. Please note, booking is essential for this event. We also want to highlight three events happening in industry that are out with the farm advisory service. Firstly, the Soil Association are hosting an in-person event on Tuesday the 28th of February called Reducing Inputs: An Integrated Approach. This event takes a look at practical approaches to reducing external inputs in a mixed arable livestock system and is being hosted by Balburnie Home Farms in Cooper. Fife. This is a free event open to crofters, farmers, and land managers. Booking is required. Secondly, an online event from the Nature Friendly Farming Network called High Nature Value Farmland, the Key to a Nature Rich Future in Scotland. This online event is being hosted on Tuesday the thirty first of January from 7 to 9 p.m. The webinar will be looking at the potential of low-intensity farming and crofting methods for habitats rich in diverse wildlife and how we can support them. The webinar will feature speakers including Davy McCracken from SRUC, Scotland's Rural College, Helen O'Keefe, crofter and owner of the Elfin Tea Rooms and co-creator of the Green Bowl. Donald McSween, a crofter, counsellor, and native Gaelic speaker from the Isle of Lewis, and Ed Burrow, an ecologist farming on the beautiful Isle of Isla. You can book your free spot now through Eventbrite. Finally, we wanted to draw your attention to the newly announced Farm Strong initiative being launched in Scotland. FarmStrong is going on tour with 11 in-person events all over Scotland throughout the month of February. These events will feature inspiring speaker and New Zealand dairy farmer Mark Gascoigne. FarmStrong Scotland is a new well-being initiative replicating the successful FarmStrong New Zealand set up nearly eight years ago. The initiative is designed by farmers for farmers to provide the resources and proven tools that farmers might need to manage their own well-being when faced with challenges that are often hard to predict. From fluctuation commodity prices and the weather to changing government legislation and market pressures, you can find your nearest event and book your place now at Eventbrite. Please note that links for all of the events, webinars, resources and publications that I've mentioned here can be found in the show notes. Siobhan Macdonald, the host of our sister podcast Crofting Matters, joined me this week to discuss the podcast, take us on a journey through the episodes they released last year and to give us an idea of what to expect in season two.
4: My name is Siobhan MacDonald and I'm a senior agricultural consultant. I work in the Highlands and Islands of Scotland in the crofting areas. I'm based from Alcake, which is near Dingwall but I also work over in Uist and on the west coast of Scotland. I have a small croft which is near to Bewley. I have a whole two cows and ten sheep it is quite a small croft at seven hectares and half of it is woodland and half of it is grassland that I'm desperately trying to improve and um, it needed a lot of infrastructure when we came here so I've had loads to do but it's really nice and it keeps me in touch with my job because I receive the same letters as everybody else and so as well as being um, a good release after work it also keeps me in touch with what's going on. I chose crofting as a way of life. I think because when I was little, my grandfather, who'd come from, he'd come from Cantail and Applecross on the west coast, and he was a crofter and a shepherd and a butcher, and we kept sheep in the back garden and we by that time he was retired and living in a housing estate in Inverness so it um, caused a bit of consternation with our neighbours but it developed my interest I think and then I myself lived out in the countryside near Codder and had a pony and all that sort of thing but just was always in the countryside and enjoyed working on farms so during school i worked on a farm after school and then i went to agricultural college and yeah worked on farms after that and saw what the agricultural advisors were doing and thought that looks like a really good job and applied and that's been me for the past 20 something years i think crofting's quite special not just because it has some terrifying legislation and awkward rules, but because of the way it's done on such a small scale and because of the area it's in, it tends to be what's called high nature value farming. So lots of biodiversity generally is low input and low output and so that has tremendous benefits for the environment so it provides lots of lots of benefits lots of landscape benefits you know people want to come and see crofting areas when they come to scotland and it provides lots of biodiversity benefits and carbon sequestration also from a cultural point of view it's an amazing way of life and Most people are working part-time on crofts because very few crofts would be able to provide a full income. So most people, like myself, will work part-time on the croft and have a full-time job elsewhere, um, mostly uh, in order to keep the croft going. All my extra money goes on crofting. And I think crofting is also special because of the cultural and historical aspects So there's a long and interesting and turbulent history to crofting and that makes people feel quite passionate about it. I host one of our podcasts which is called Crofting Matters. It's the best podcast, I think. It has covered lots of different subjects to do with crofting. It's it's aimed at crofters but it's also of interest for smallholders and new entrants as well in our first episode we looked at hiring bulls under the bull hire scheme and we looked at what do you look for in a in a bull for your herd so it was aimed really at suckler cow producers on a small scale and um our our speaker that day was Sarah Balfour, and Sarah comes from the hills of Tom and Tal. She has pedigree bulls, so she really knows her stuff. So it was great to speak to her and find out about things that we should be looking for in bulls. In episode two, we looked at grazing management, and as I'm speaking, there's about a foot of snow outside, and I can't see any grass at all. But it's really good to look ahead and that episode I think is particularly useful because fertilizer prices are high, feed costs are high and grass is our cheapest feed. So it was great to get some insight from Poppy on how best to grow more grass for the least money. And it kind of goes back to the way we used to do things in crofting, so lots of small fields, lots of rotational grazing, so like all good fashions, it's it's come around after so many years. In crofting, crofting regulation is a big part of it and for farming, if you want to make a change to a farm, it's fairly straightforward and it's well understood, might involve a solicitor but in general, it's straightforward. Crofting is very different. There's a lot of legislation surrounding crofting. So in our third episode, I interviewed Graham Fraser, and Graham is a colleague of mine who has lots of experience in crofting. And we discussed all the different terms like subletting and croft registrations and assignations and the various uh, things that you have to do as a crofter in order to move these things ahead. In episode four, it was coming up to autumn. So with Sarah Balfour, again, we looked at replacing females in the suckler herd. And for most crofters, they have a slightly limited choice because their herds are quite small. However, and because most of us will keep our cows for quite a long time and we have small herds, it's really important to get it right. So Sarah had some excellent top tips on what to look for, including new things like pelvic measurement, which a few crofters are starting to do now. Episode 5 took us to the livestock mart, and this episode is not just of interest for crofters, but also for new entrants to crofting and farming. We looked at buying stock and the bidding system, how not to buy something by mistake when you're bidding, what to look for in terms of health, and how to overcome some of the practicalities, such as bringing livestock home. Our final episode, episode six, was time to coincide with the autumn sales. We looked at selling stock, um, how to batch animals, how to prepare them for sale, how to get the best price. I spoke to John Willie Gillis from Razzie who manages a sheep stock club and a sheep stock club is on a common grazing in a crofting area where sheep are managed communally. So all the lambs are sold from the sheep stock club in one go and John Willie described how he batched lambs for sale and how he got the best price where he went and how he arranged transport for, from the islands. So it was really interesting to speak to him. He's got years of experience and he's quite an entertaining speaker as well. This was the first season of Crofting Matters, and I learned a lot from doing it. I really enjoyed speaking to Graham Fraser and the episode on crofting regulation strange as it seems but I also realized that speaking to crofters was a really great way to get some insight as to what they're facing and what they're doing to overcome problems so for next year our intention is to speak to more crofters round about the area and to uh, look at some of the things that are of real concern to folk now such as cutting peat and uh, tree planting so we'll have a bit more of an environmental feel next year I think but also speak to some interesting characters round about the highlands. Season two will be out in June we'll have another six episodes over the summer so please look out for it even if you're not a crofter. I've really enjoyed doing Crofting Matters and I couldn't do it without the help of my producer Ashley Foster and editor Ross Mackenzie, and executive producer Kerry Hammond and the people who have come and been interviewed and have had such great stories and experiences Crofters might also be interested to know about other resources through the Farm Advisory Service. Lots of different events that are coming up on how to manage common grazings, which is a really complicated matter, and lots of webinars coming up on preparing for sustainable farming, which not many crofters have taken up, but Is of huge benefit, so have a look out for those webinars. And we've also got lots of published resources on the website, which we can also send to you if you don't like using the website on how to manage common grazings, how to manage your croft, how to cope with some of the regulatory aspects of crofting, as well as agricultural matters such as managing livestock and cropping. Thank you to all our Crofting Matters listeners so far and I hope that a few of the people listening to this podcast will subscribe for next season.
0: You can listen to all six episodes of Crofting Matters now at their podcast linked in the show notes thanks for listening to this episode of the Rural Roundup. Throughout January, February and March, the Rural Roundup is going to be releasing six bonus episodes. These episodes each tell a short story of a successful diversified farm business in Scotland. They're well worth a listen for inspiration, information and a well-earned break from the day to day. Subscribe to our channel to make sure you get notified of these bonus episodes. And we'll see you back on the 8th of February for our usual fortnightly roundup.
2: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more.
4: Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.